and welcome to 40 going on 14 i am mike i am patrick i'm joel and i'm josh and they say that when offered the choice between invisibility and flight as superpowers what you say says something about you and after watching hollow man and the invisible man i'd like to change my answer i mean it all depends on can you become invisible on your own volition can you come in and out of it easily or do you get stuck invisible yeah, right. nobody ever says, I want to fly, but all the time. Yeah. I never want to touch ground again. That would make yeah. breakfast awkward. Be like, I want some eggs. Can I have a shot of eggs with it? <laughs> That'd make a lot of things awkward. <laughs> yeah, I think if you could turn it on and off, just at will, I mean, there'd still be the desire probably to misuse that power at some point, but it might not drive you to bacon level insanity. True. Mm, bacon. Bacon. Yeah, I'd go invisible and take all the bacon. That's even, what we were talking about, right? Even the Kevin? Of course, the Especially Kevin. the Kevin. <laughs> Meat. Saw a lot of Kevin's meat in this movie, too. <laughs> I've seen Kevin's bacon. Yeah. Yikes. In case you want to see Kevin's bacon, uh, what we're talking about this week, we are comparing Hollow Man from 2000 to the 2020 Invisible Man. We're going with the first set of movies for October. Second. Second. Really? No shit. We did surprise you last week. Oh, that's right. That's Supresia. right. Supresia. Yeah, because I forgot because Supresia wasn't frightening at all. It was just shit. Yikes. You have already wiped it out of your brain. It's already gone. That never if, happened. If you like shit, you might like the shows on the podcast collective. Oh, my God. There's got to be one for them. The Dog and Deuce Show. Yeah. <laughs> right? There's, there you go. Dog and Deuce Show. And, of course, the Red Dead Radio Hour. Yeah, so if you're looking for more of our stuff, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Talks You, Podverse FM, all over the Podoverse. We're on Stitcher. We are on iHeartRadio. We are now on dun 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 <gasps> Amazon. If you have Ooh. Amazon Prime uh or Amazon Music, you can get us on uh, your Amazon app also. Whoop. Yeah. And I think I mentioned this last week, but Geek Life Radio is coming back. We don't have a time set for our uh, weekly show publication, but that's getting coming together, and they'll be back and up and running soon. If you'd like to leave us a call, talk to us about this stuff, call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That is 708-669-9727. Ta-da. Yeah, nobody <laughs> did that. I think they're afraid of Octoboo. I'd be afraid of Octoboo, too. He's not a friendly guy. Pat's, I, do you hear that? That's Pat. <laughs> He's grinding his teeth to try not to say something. 
He's like the angry guy at the salt and pepper diner. <laughs> My hands are shaking in rage. Well, you got to give up that month coin now. So, uh, Bill W is not going to be your friend anymore. Oh, uh, yeah. So I didn't get please. that. I didn't. I was trying to just go past it. <laughs> Do we, is that something we feel we need to dig into? Who is Bill W? I don't really know if I want to know the answer, to be honest with you. So. If you know who Bill W is, give us a call. <laughs> 708, 708 now, now wrap. Wrap. <laughs> Or leave us an email at 4014 at gmail.com. Yes. On that note, before we spend any more time on this, I think it's about that time. It is. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. All right, so this week, Pat is going with the release of Hollow Man, which is August 4th, 2000. All right, so music. The number one song in the land was NSYNC's acronym of the week right out of the gate. I-G-B-M. I'm pretty sure that stands for I've Got Bagged Meat. (laughs) (laughs) I've got some bagged meat. Bag meat. No, that is, it's going to be me. All right. Somebody's got to leave me a note to put that in the show notes now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the acronym may have changed in response to the pre show. There's going to be, be need a little, there's got to be a little explanation on the bag I, meat. I don't know that, I mean, it's kind of funny even without context, but it is better with context. Oh, yeah. Mate. I'm going to have to archive that site just so it doesn't change on us. Ah, <laughs> uh, and finally, on August 8th, the Federal Trade Commission opened an investigation into price fixing, leading to decreased competition and reduction of discounting among music distributors and retailers. Though price manipulation and illegal marketing agreements, it was estimated that customers were overcharged by nearly $500 million, up to $5 per album. A settlement in 2002 included the music publishers and distributors who agreed to pay a $67.4 million fine and distribute $75.7 million in CDs to public and nonprofit groups, but they admitted no wrongdoing. Yikes. Sounds about right. That's insane. I mean, especially considering the perceived value of digital music right now how it's almost all packaged onto something free like Pandora or YouTube or whatever. Yeah. At the, at the end, we didn't do anything wrong. We'll pay the fine, but we didn't do anything wrong. I mean, just by paying the fine, you're admitting guilt. I think. True. At some level. Yeah. Otherwise you wouldn't pay the fine. Better call Saul. Well, I mean, is, 67 million really that big of a deal for them? Well, especially when you made 500 million, right? Hmm. That's the key of the whole thing. They still netted, you know, uh, $360 million in profit over the whole thing. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, okay, we'll take the slap on the wrist, but don't you dare say we're guilty. Well, and that's the thing is that if the court rules or it's not as a decided matter, a similar case can't be used as precedent. So they save even more money for from that. Like if they decide to try something else shitty. 
Man, we are we are not far from Shadowrun where corporations are running everything. And this is 20 years ago. Imagine what's going on now. I don't have to. I'm living in it. Using a very generous definition of the word living. <laughs> it's gonna be May. All right, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was Hollow Man. Huh. Oh. For reasons. Which we'll get we, to that. We'll get into later, yeah. Other movies released this week were Coyote Ugly, Autumn in New York, Space Cowboys, and Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps. Now you know why Hollow Man was mm-hmm. number one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I'd watch Coyote Ugly again before I'd watch uh, Hollow Man again. Spoilers. I've still never seen Coyote Ugly. It's not great, but it's easily the best of that bunch. It's at least entertaining. I've not seen Nettie Professor or Autumn in New York, but I did see Space Cowboys, and it was not good. It was forgettable. You've seen Autumn in New York. Have I? Did I watch it with you or something? I, th- I think we did watch it together. It was the, the Richard Gere and um, Natalie Portman romance. No, Winona Ryder. Natalie Portman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Winona Ryder. Yeah, that's right. 16 years old at that point or something. I don't know. Maybe I did. I thought we did. I'm not like a Richard Gere fan. I like Winona Ryder, but. Or we, yeah. at least talk, we at least talked about it at one point. I know that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Perhaps I did, and I've blanked it from my mind. All right. Uh, Sir Alec Guinness, born Alec Guinness de Cuff, was an English film and stage actor. Guinness was fe- featured in Kind Hearts and Coronets, in which he played nine different characters. Oof. The Lavender Hill Mob got him his first Academy Award nomination, and he was also in The Lady Killers, the original, of course, and The Bridge on the River Kwai, for which he won the Academy Award for Best Actor and the BAFTA Award for Best Actor. He portrayed Prince Faisal in Lawrence of Arabia, General Yegraf Zhivago in Dr. Zhivago, and Professor Godbol in A Passage to India. But most Famously, he, of course, portrayed Obi-Wan Kenobi in George Lucas' original Star Wars trilogy. For the original 1977 film, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor at the 50th Academy Awards. He died of liver cancer at 86 years old on August 5th. Zhivago. 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 Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago are two amazing movies. And I want to do a show on them, but I don't want to take the risk of somebody totally fucking them up on a remake. Yeah. I've never seen Lawrence of Arabia or Dr. Zhivago. Really? Yeah. He's seen Lawrence of Arabia, though. (laughs) Jesus. I'll, I'll take it from you. Okay, so TV. Top shows in the land were Survivor, ER, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and Friends. So there you go. Uh, On July 28th, Kathy Lee Gifford made her final appearance as a co-host on Live after 17 years. Regis Philbin continued to serve as the only host until Kelly Ripa was introduced as a co-host the following year. I've never seen an episode of Live. I saw a bunch of them, at least uh, the original with uh, Regis and Kathy Lee. I've seen a bunch of them, too. They're, They're exactly what they're made for. They're entertaining, but not... Anything of substance. Rita Philbin had uh, 
exit the show, though. What? He's no longer live. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't he stay on it pretty much up until he died? Yeah, I think so. Just about, yeah. Yeah. But no, Michael Strahan took over a few years back. So, also on August 10th, Dora the Explorer, one of Nickelodeon's most popular shows, premiered with the episode The Legend of the Big Red Chicken. I've seen that. I have, Hmm. too. I've actually seen the movie remake. The live action. I have not seen it yet, but I've heard it's not that bad. Oh. All I remember about Dora the Explorer was that my nephew, Lucas, used to watch it a lot when he was younger. And there was an episode. Was it him or was it his sisters? Maybe it was his sisters at that point. Anyway, there was an episode where there was some sort of an animal that was like pooping berries and they were trying to collect it. Kind of like civet coffee or something. It was very strange. That's not a joke. Never said it was, man. You you could say that again. That again. Why you gotta do that? Yeah, Pat. That's our Joel. And lastly, in sports, on August 3rd, England cricket wicketkeeper Alex Stewart became only the fourth batsman to score a century in his 100th test during the third test against the West Indies at Old Trafford. You know, considering all the problems I had with saying Shivago, I'm glad you didn't make me say England cricket wicket keeper. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, to get us out of this tweet, on August 7th, the Los Angeles Lakers announced the retirement of former superstar player and executive vice president of basketball operations, Jerry West. And just out of curiosity, do you guys know what Jerry West's nickname is? The Beaver. No. That's Jerry Mathers. Oh, I was close. East. No. Kanye. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Big baby Jesus. I didn't think any of you would know it, but um, I would have been impressed if you had. He's called the Logo. Because the actual NBA logo is a silhouette of a player, and it's it's Jerry West himself. Oh, no shit. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. Yep. That's good trivia right there. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That is good trivia. Good for Kanye. (laughs) (laughs) Good for America. (laughs) Get us out of here, keyboard Joel. Gladly. No, 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 no. All right. So the invisible man. I put a little bit of stuff in here because one, the original source material is over 100 years old. And two, it was written by H.G. Wells, who predicted a lot of crazy shit submarines uh zeppelins going to the moon though he was kind of off on that that story so originally this came out as a serialized story in 1897 i know right in pearson's weekly which was not the, the magazine they came out with and going throwing forward to the trivia Pearson's College is the name of the school that the daughter wants to go to in 2020 Invisible Man. Nice. That is a deep cut. Yeah. So I give him credit for that one. It was actually, they, they published it as a novel in the very same year. Uh, the Griffin is a character in the original Invisible Man who has just devoted himself into searching and discovering optics. And in the original book, 
he changes what they call the refractive index of the human body to the same as air, so it neither absorbs nor reflects light. He does it to himself, renders himself invisible, and can't change himself back and just goes insane. He's an iconic horror fiction character. Of course, when you think of that, you think of the old black and white Invisible Man, uh, which was starred Claude Rains as the, the main character. The first time Claude Rains' daughter ever saw her father in a movie was in 1950 when he took her to, sh- to a showing of The Invisible Man at a small Pennsylvanian theater. Uh, while the film was playing, Rains apparently was telling his daughter all about how it was made. It was so interesting that all the other theater patrons commented that they stopped watching the movie and instead listened to him talking about how they made it. It's like basically the first DVD commentary. Yeah, right. Yep. It's the first uh, extras cut, you know? Was that uh, similar to what you were going to say, Joel? Yep, that's exactly where I was going. (laughs) Fair enough. But, you know, it's almost 20 years later, 1950, so... Uh, also, to a, a, in the if you've seen the old black and white version, the effects, considering what they had to work with back then, was really actually very good. In order to achieve the effect that Claude Rains wasn't there when his character took off the bandages, James Whale, who was the uh, effects effects director at the time, had him dressed completely in black velvet, and then put his background of the scene in black velvet also, so he wouldn't show up. So they worked with what they had and uh, did a pretty damn good version of it for 1933, seriously. So uh, the screenwriter for this movie is actually R.C. Sheriff, which is kind of a great name. Uh, He came to Hollywood to write the film and asked the staff at Universal for a copy of the original novel, and they didn't have one. They had were 14 different treatments done by previous writers, including one that was set in Tsarist Russia and another set on Mars. Which I kind of want to. I kind of want to read that second one. Eventually, he found a copy of the novel in a secondhand bookstore, read it, and was like, "Hey, this is a great story. Why don't we just do this one?" Out of all the Universal uh, movies, including Dracula and Frankenstein from 1931, they said this was the closest to the original source material that they've had, which is fortunate because that Wells had negotiated script approval when he sold the rights to the movie. Which, incidentally, James Whale was the director. He also did Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was their monster guy. He was the, yeah, he was the director of a lot of the big universal pictures at the time. Some of the biggest, anyway. Yeah. I, I miss the universal. I mean, I really wish the dark universal world, dark monster world, whatever they were going to call it, actually launched. But but it sucked. So Yeah, I know. They blew it. So a Hollow Man 2000. When a leader of a team of scientists volunteers to be the test subject for their experiment in human invisibility, he slowly unravels and turns against them with horrific consequences. Bum, bum, and bum. wieners. And slowly? Really? Slowly? Nah, yeah. I don't, <laughs> he was about halfway there when he started. I'm not lying. He was quartered a serial killer before he vanished. Yeah. Yeah, he was not a, uh, stable. Not a, he was, well, I've got to kind of in my, in my show notes what I was, when I was writing it also, but, uh, this was directed by a one Paul Verhoeven, known for Robocop, 
known for Starship Troopers, known for Showgirls, known for Basic Instinct. Known for a lot of subtlety. Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely. He's known for having very, you know, you have, kind of have to watch the movies twice to be able to get all the all the things going on. That's true. Oh, it was also written by Gary Scott Thompson, who also did Fast and the Furious. And Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. And Fast and the Furious and Fast Five. And he wrote a bunch of episodes of the remake of Knight Rider, which is a thing. And Hollow Man 2, which went straight to video. Starring Christian Slater. Seriously? Yep. Yikes. Huh. Huh. I've not seen it. I almost want to see it just because Christian Slater. Oof. But it does exist. That is a thing. I mean, it's post-2000 Christian Slater. True. That is the, the drawback on that one. Also, the uh, story and screenplay also helped out by our Andrew W. Marlowe, who uh, was also a writer on End of Days, Air Force One, and uh, was a writer on some of the Castle episodes. Oh, we were talking about that pre-show. Mm-hmm. All right. So, this stars a one. Ready, Pat? I'll say it slowly for you. Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> Short-haired Elizabeth Shue. I know. I, I was a fan. I was going to say, I was, I was actually on my questions here. Are you a short-haired Elizabeth Shue fan or a long-haired Elizabeth Shue fan? I like I like short-haired Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. Hmm. Got to go along with that one. All right. So she stars as Linda McKay. Kevin Bacon is Sebastian Kane. Josh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> short-haired Bacon. Hey, you're not you're not wrong. No, I mean two thousand Kevin Bacon. I mean even now Kevin Bacon's doing pretty good for himself. Josh Brolin is Matthew Kensington. Mm. <laughs> Kim Dickens, indeed, mm. as Sarah Kennedy. Joni Stubbs. Yeah. What's Joni Stubbs? Why don't I know that? From, from Deadwood. She, that was oh, the Deadwood. Yeah. He's okay, also I, was on Fear of the Walking Dead. Oh, I gotta watch like, Deadwood. I could never see Kim without without thinking of Joni. Right. Love Scotchy. Back in your corner. <laughs> yeah, get the newspaper out. <laughs> Rub his face in it. <laughs> Greg Grunberg as Carter Abbey. He's in like everything. Yeah. He's the J.J. Abrams favorite. Yeah. Joey Slotnick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. Yeah. As Frank Chase. I'm mean, surprised nobody walked in on him pooping. That's for Patrick. Is it though? Yeah, he was. He, he nailed it. He was it, was I, that him? Yeah. In the office, yeah, he plays the daycare guy. Yeah. Crazy. I did not recognize him as the same guy. Huh. Well, you have to see him on a little kid's toilet pooping. Yeah, that's, yeah. that was the missing part. <laughs> yeah. That's what you're missing. Then we're on another list. Thanks a lot, Joel. Mm. Uh, Mary Randall is Janice Wat- Wat- Walton. Janice Walton. Walton. Willem Devane, the classic Willem Devane, is Dr. Kramer, and Rona Mitra as Sebastian's neighbor. I only tossed her in there because I sat there through half the movie trying to figure out where I'd seen her before and discovered that it was actually... Boston Legal? Boston Legal, yeah. Yeah. Doomsday? Yeah, Doom... Well, a little bit less, but I've been watching... Suzanne and I have been finishing up on Westworld. And oh, yeah. Boston Legal is our go-to when we're like, you want to watch Westworld? 
I don't know if I can handle it. All right, let's watch Boston Legal. She was in uh, the un- the Underworld franchise briefly. Yeah, she was a minor yeah. character. She was also a uh, middle character on Nip Tug. Yep. I like her. All right, so some trivia on this one. In a, an anatomically correct, totally working computer model was created of Kevin Bacon's entire body down to the last capillary. The 3D model has since been donated to scientific researchers <laughs> who said, thank you. I guess <laughs> we will research this. I, You know what? I, it was 2000. No, it's actually pretty cool. And I actually think the effects on this held up better than I expected. Mm-hmm. That is Maybe. a question that I've, I've asked on this one about the CGI on this one was actually a lot better than I was expecting it to be his, for a 2000 movie. His wiener was pretty accurate. Just saying. I, I, never mind. Every time one appears on screen, you feel compelled to mention it. <laughs> I do. Just ask Laura. I think the obsession with penis says more about you than it does the movie. Yeah. What? Just saying. Not like you're not looking at penises. Oh, I'm definitely looking if they're there, but I don't have to talk about the fact I'm looking at them. And he's not getting married soon either, so that's the other side of it. You well, may want to have things in common. You. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna give him that okay. one. <laughs> I'm gonna give him that. Point one, Joel. I give him that. You're good. You're good. All right. Continuing, director Paul Verhoeven and director of photography Joss Vacano had to be informed on what the hell Marco Polo was. Verhoeven is from the Netherlands and Vacano from Germany, and neither of them had ever heard of the game Marco Polo. Huh. Hey, Dov. <laughs> Might have played that game. You're an all-star. Get your game on. <laughs> what? Hey, Adolf, you're an all-star. Oh, Jesus. You want to come in the corner with me, Pat? <laughs> Thanks, everybody. It's been a good run. We almost hit it to 350. Uh, all right. So the, the crew, uh, when they carried the half-invisible Sebastian back to the operating table, they actually gave them a metal skeleton to carry. Because it was heavy and it actually looked like they were carrying something versus everybody just pretending to carry a CGI body. God forbid they act. If they can do that on that level of whatever, why can't they ever make a cup of coffee look like it's got coffee in it? Don't know. Maybe they should just let people drink coffee. That'd be a thing. Just put a tiny little weight in there. Something. Because yeah. every, every time they hand out coffee, you can tell there's no weight to any of the cups. Or it's or it's really almost empty and it's nothing but foam mm-hmm. or something because they tip it back so damn far and it's obviously light. That that stands out a lot to me because I drink a lot of coffee. What I don't and I even notice that. Yeah, people drink coffee. I'm like, wait, so that is not real coffee. It always takes me out of every scene whenever they do that. Agreed. So also to achieve convincing visibility underwater in the pool scene. The effects crew made countless experiments with different transparent objects and molds of body parts underwater. Yes, Joel, I'm assuming they had penises also. <laughs> just just going to clarify that and keep moving. In the end, they painted Kevin Bacon black because black gave the best contrast underwater for them to do the CGI, the post. Uh, well, I hope there's no behind the scenes coverage of that. <laughs> oh, there. It's so great that your microphone cut you off on that one. Yeah, his microphone is editing for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. In order to use the title Hollow Man, producers had to buy the rights to the Dan Simmons novel of the same name. The novel has nothing to do with an invisible man. In fact, I even went to Goodreads, and Jeremy Bremen has a secret. All his life, he's been cursed with the ability to read minds. He knows the secret thoughts, fears, and desires of others as if they were his own. For years, his wife, Gail, has served as a shield between Jeremy and the burden of his terrible knowledge. But Gail is dying. Her mind is ebbing slowly away, leaving him vulnerable to the chaotic flood of thought that threatens to sweep away his sanity. Now Jeremy is on the run from his mind, his past, from himself, hoping to find peace and isolation. Instead, he witnesses an act of brutality that propels him on a treacherous trek across a dark and dangerous America. From a fantasy theme park to the lair of a killer to a sterile hospital room in St. Louis, he follows a voice that's calling to him to witness the stunning mystery at the heart of mortality. I almost wish somebody had read that book and said, maybe we should make this. So basically, just like in the 33 one, they're like, anybody got a copy of The Invisible Man? Mm-hmm. They're like, nope, but I got this thing. And he holds up Hollow Man. Pretty much. No one read that one either, obviously, but. Yeah. Let's put him on Mars. Now, I, I honestly, after reading the description and the stuff on Goodreads about us, I want to dig this up and read it because it actually sounds pretty good. So, Creature Effects Supervisor Tom Woodruff Jr., played the gorilla Isabel, in case you were wondering. I was wondering. Yeah, similar to the roles he played in the movies Aliens, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection. To obtain a picture in the heat-sensitive infrared light, crew members warmed up the fur of the gorilla suit with hair dryers. Well, that's actually kind of cool. Isn't it? So they're like gorilla stylists now. <laughs> I'm a gorilla stylist. Get yourself a hair dryer and a gorilla. I can do your job. I have a shop down on Maine called Gorillas in the Mist. God damn, that was actually funny. That was pretty good. That was... You've mo- moved two spaces forward. Soon you're going to be at the Cotton Candy Kingdom. Nope, I'll fuck it up. <laughs> Alright, so Hollowman, is this the first viewing for any of us? No. It was the first viewing for me, yes. It actually was for me, too. I thought I had seen it, and I was wrong. I had seen it before and forgotten completely about it. Joel has it on DVD or Blu-ray. I'm just saying that right. I I tried to block it out of my mind after I saw it the first time. All right. So we're all fans. (laughs) (laughs) On paper, I should be. I love Elizabeth Shue. I like Kevin Bacon. I like Josh Brolin. I like Ken Dickens. I like like, the whole cast. Yep, mm-hmm. unexpectedly stacked cast. Yeah, on paper, this should have been amazing. And and Paul Verhoeven, RoboCop's one of my favorite movies, and I like uh, Starship Troopers is amazing. Now going going back into some of the some of the trivia, some of the other stuff I read about this, that even Paul Verhoeven was like, yeah, anybody could have made this movie. This is the only movie of his that came in with showed up with an R rating that they weren't like, whoa, shit, Paul, you can't show that, you know, bring it back. The only other movie that stayed at that was uh, Showgirls, which retained the X rating. Right. Yeah. Normally his went from X back to R. Yeah. That stayed at X and everything else. And this one stayed at R. Yep. I mean, you've got a main character who's obviously kind of a, a narcissistic sociopath. And 
somehow, because he becomes invisible, he garners some sort of superpowers that only throwing him down an elevator shaft into a flaming fireball would kill him. Hey, you know, standard invisibility shit. Yeah, right. Into, a, into an elevator shaft he could not have gotten into at any point. Let's also add that. All I'm saying is Kevin Bacon had two monitors and two keyboards in 2000. That dude was elite. <laughs> Are you saying, Patrick, because it was on fire? We'll get to that. We'll get to the end of the movie later. Yeah. Okay. We got to shit, shit on everything else first. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So a um, lot of times they have the scientist turns himself invisible, can't turn himself back and slowly goes insane. All right. So he was kind of a dick at the outset, right? Sebastian was not a nice person. He needed a very light push. Yeah. And he went zero to rapist so fast. Yeah. Like the first thing he did when he left the place was was go and rape somebody, basically. Well, after he felt up Kim Dickens. I was like, yeah, sexual assault was literally his first impulse. That's true. I forgot about that one. Yeah. And then but the first thing he does when he leaves is also the neighbor. Yeah. And And his and his ending is before he goes, he's like, who's going to know? Dude, anyone who's met you, you freak. Well, and there's a little thing called, well, I would say DNA, but I guess it wouldn't show up to be invisible too, right? I'm not thinking about that. I think the rules are anything that comes out of you stays invisible, but anything that you grab stays visible. Yeah, that's accurate. I, so, yeah, I guess there would be no... All right. I, I'm sorry. I just had a brief moment of clarity and realized I don't want to get involved in that conversation. <laughs> They showed the scene where he was throwing up and nothing came out. So that's true. Like, you know, ipso facto. Well, Unfortunately, he's right. Yeah. The, the first time I saw it, I was like, well, isn't he going to leave like DNA evidence behind? My brain did not process the fact that. Well, well, just because it's invisible doesn't mean it's not there. That's the thing. Oh, it's there, but nobody can see it. But I mean, that's not how. See, this is the conversation I didn't because want to This is exactly what you didn't want to talk it about. Be, it can still be tested if you scoop it yeah, out. I did. Jesus, this oh, is, I didn't want to have to it. say the phrase. That's not how a rape kit works. You know, that's not. It's, if it's there, it's there. Uh, okay, Joel, you're done. This is way more uncomfortable than talking about Johnny. Uh, not Johnny Cash. Uh, fuck. <laughs> I've been everywhere, man. No, I, I, I screwed it up. I got the wrong old timey country singer. Can you uh, Kenny Rogers. All right. Hey, other thing I want to say is webcams were not as good as they were on this. Yeah, screen. that's right. I mean, Mine nobody still isn't. It's supposed to be 1080p. <laughs> and my webcam sucks. Yeah, that was some of that Hollywood computer exaggeration. Yeah. Enhance. 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 Also, Elizabeth Shue is, bang- is banging Thanos. Wouldn't you? They make some very pretty babies. Purple babies. Purple shoe babies. <laughs> as much as I love Elizabeth Shue as a person and an actress and all that kind of stuff and blah, 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 she wasn't very good in this. Like, Well, she didn't have a lot to work with. No, yeah, because the, the problem is the script was so bad. Like, nobody talks like the people in this movie talk. Speaking of which, this yeah. did I because of the, all the chaos that's continually going on in my house, I have the subtitles on all the time. Subtitles were PG. <laughs> really? Yeah, really. It was like it, it was like what? Is, what was the one that it I said? had the same experience because I always watch on Amazon with subtitles as well. Yeah, and like every fuck was replaced with darn, 
every what? asshole was replaced with jerk, but only in the subtitles. It wasn't blanked out. Yeah. The subtitles were like the TV version. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And the one where he, where, uh, what's her name walks down the hallway and he's like, why did fuck you sound like, you know, why did it sound like, but in the subtitle said, forget you. And he said, fuck you. Something like that. Mm hmm. Uh, brief back to the future reference. Really? Am I the only one that caught that about time travel? Um, uh, what was the reference? Yeah. It was when they were standing on the balcony. There was a lot of good, good references in, uh, The Invisible Man, but I don't remember any in, in this. Wait a second. When they were standing on the balcony. Cause yeah, they talk, they're talking wait. about it at the restaurant at the beginning, but I don't remember the, oh, the reference. Oh, you know what's wrong with me? Is it wasn't Elizabeth Shue that was in Back to the Future. No, that was Lisa. She was. Yeah. Well, she, she was, was in Back to the Future too, right? Right. Yeah. She took yeah. over after what's her name left. Well, yeah, which was which was after, but in I mean, when they're on the balcony, they talk about inventing time travel. I just I don't know. I don't know if it was or if it wasn't. I just thought it was kind of cool. All right. Yeah. Patrick, how angry are you at at uh, Thanos for bringing up ex boyfriends while he's in bed with Elizabeth Shue? Yeah, why would you ever do that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Right before we make love, you know what I like to do? Let's talk about your boyfriend. Yeah, I mean, unless you unless you're in an open relationship, you don't talk about other people that you've slept with in the middle of sexy time, especially one who's psychotic. Yeah, like just just don't do that. Like when when you know you don't want to hear the answer, even the one answer isn't going to satisfy you, and the other answer is not the answer you want to hear. True. So why ask the question? Dumb. Also, did they have to kill the dog? Yeah, yeah I, I never like it when that happens. I mean, I don't know. did they have to open seven bags of blood and just spray them all over the room and like, and then therefore like the, now the set is like a, a fucking torture porn movie? I mean, I thought that was actually a kind of cool solution, especially considering she was panicking. Yeah, she was panicking, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, that poor guy who needs all that blood to keep him alive. <laughs> right? Sorry, Carter, you're going to have to die because I needed this to coat the floor. To which I really like the, don't you die on me, damn it. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, they gave him all of five seconds to be like, oh, fight the fight. Oh, he's gone. Oh, yeah, they're gone. <laughs> they got, I love that you, you got the trope of, don't you die on me. We got yep. a problem. Time to move on. Well, yeah. And wasn't it pretty amazing how Josh Brolin's character got, you know, stabbed? She's like, okay, you're fine. Didn't hit any major organs. He's practically dead. He's frozen. He gets woken up by a trash fire. And then he's all of a sudden back to normal. Yeah. Like he's kicking ass and taking names again. They should have aimed for the head. Ah, <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, he had He had no effect at all climbing the ladder at the end. I'm right? seriously, I'm the only one that caught that. I, no, I just was moving past it. Point to you, Josh. Second of all, if you're going to give somebody these drugs and you've seen what happens to a gorilla, make sure the straps are like tight on that bed. It does no good to strap a guy to a bed if you give him elastic straps that he can reach six feet out when he has his, his freakouts. And to be fair, like there's something fucky there because... Anything that a gorilla can break or, or will hold a gorilla will certainly fucking hold a dude. 
Yeah. yeah. Kevin Bacon is not more stronger than a gorilla, as far as I know. Well, yeah, gor- gorillas are like seven times stronger than the strongest human. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like 14 times stronger than the Kevin Bacon. I, wa- I want to see The Rock wrestle a gorilla. How can we get that happen? Ask The Rock and pay him. I'm sure it would happen. <laughs> Write a movie about it? Yeah. He'll do it. All right, so Sebastian turns invisible. They've got him in there. Why is everyone not wearing those goggles 100% of the time? Right, 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 right. right. And, and, just like, this whole movie is over if you just constantly wear the goggles. And Kim, Kim Dickens' character, Sarah, didn't tell anybody about what he did. I know. And yet he's so skeevy that Janice, when she goes to the bathroom, is pretty sure he's in there with her. So she brings the goggles along. What does that say about his character? Why would you even work with this douche? Yeah, I mean, well, granted, okay, he's a complete because douche. He's a genius. He's, yeah, he's a genius. He's going to invent invisibility. He's going to lie freaking uh, Pentagon. That's the other question I have. Okay, so they got all this money from the Pentagon. They couldn't afford bathroom stall walls? <laughs> that's a good question i missed that one <laughs> like why don't you just put the toilet in the middle of the hallway at that point and why didn't they have another exit right because obviously they nobody needed another exit because they have gallon jugs of uh nitroglycerin sitting around for what reason i don't know because exploding things did not seem to be part of any of the experiments they did he had to mix up the nitroglycerin that was hydrochloric acid which would be found in a lab Okay, he's Walter White. Yeah, I mean he's a chemist. There was that little moment there when she's locked up in the, in, in they're making the magnet and he's making the the nitro. Oh, okay. I'm, not, I'm like, this is like scientist on scientist war, right? Yeah, it's like MacGyver times two. Then he gets out. Yeah, I think the obvious reason why they don't have any uh, extra exits is because the same engineers who designed Westworld, <laughs> who didn't leave them vents. Oh. Yeah. Good yeah, point. they designed this facility as well. Yeah. The movie, not the TV show. Correct. Why did the other two researchers have to be in their own separate room above them looking down on them? Yeah. So they could see? So they could give it the cool nickname of Heaven? Yeah, because they kept giving, like, part of his vitals. But, yeah, I wondered the same thing, Pat. I was like, why the hell do we have a separate room just for that part of it? I don't even know. Because Joey Slotnick wanted to be sitting up there, maybe? And then why did this movie suddenly turn into a bad action movie when the elevator got involved? It Because it had already turned into a slasher film. Well, it, uh, yeah, but it, it couldn't decide what kind of movie it wanted to be. And in the last, like, 15 minutes, all of the elevator shafts were all suddenly, like, trying to be this, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, boulder coming to get you seen. Mm-hmm. That is just not at all good or suspenseful or... It felt more like aliens to me, like they were trying to do the aliens thing. Yeah. Where they're being hunted, or predator even. Yeah. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, the invisible guy can get past the elevator, which, if you remember, stopped only feet away from them, so there was nowhere for him to hide. And they got past the explosion to get up the es- the, the stairwell, or the ladder, twice as fast as they did, just to get up to them in time to fuck up trying to attack them and get kicked off and fall down and go boom. Yep. And 
did anybody feel the ending was a little abrupt? It's like they get out of the the uh, the elevator and they save the day, make their little wisecrack, and credits roll. You know what I want to see is I want to see the the second half. I actually have this in my notes. All right, so they get into the back of the ambulance. Everything's happy. Oh, the two of them they live forever, happy forever and ever. No, what happens is is that the Pentagon says you guys lied to us, and now we have a general. And six other people that are dead because you did this. Plus, you destroyed a million dollars, millions of dollars of equipment and our super secret formula that was going to have us win the war. Right. Red, welcome to uh, federal fuck you up the ass prison. That's what's going to happen to those two. Welcome to Guantanamo. Pretty much. Uh, so he escapes. Hang on. I think in that situation, you pin it all on the dead people. Probably. I mean, that's the real answer. Yeah, that's a good point, because the general was dead, and he was the only one that knew outside of the people that are all in the bottom of the burning building. It's like, yeah, we didn't know. He lied to us, too. And by the way, all these dead people were in on it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fuck those guys. That's a good point, Jack. Those guys were assholes. Joey Slotnick. It was all his idea. He was the the mastermind. In, in, In honesty, he was the only one out of the group who's like, we all need to stay together. Don't split the party. Why are we all running to different areas? Let's all stay together. Let's all do this together in one big group. And I was like, no, let's all run around and try and find them. Nope. That dude had some hacker skills, though. Oh, the hacking. 2000 hacking. I mean, 2020 hacking is just as awful. But And then Elizabeth Shue, don't give the threat before the action. Don't you know that? Don't tell him I'm going to go to the Pentagon and tell them what you did because he's just going to kill you. Yeah, and they just kind of forget the fact that he might be in the room with them when they're talking about him. I think you'd think they'd know better. Yeah. And he escapes, gets rapey, scares some kids, gets in his car, listens to what I have listed here as discount evanescence when it actually turned out, I believe it was Juliana Hatfield. Juliana Hatfield was in the background in the first scene with Josh Brolin and Elizabeth Shue in bed. Oh, as that's... soon as it came on, I got very excited, and I was like, this is the best part of the whole movie. Oh, man. It was. How how apropos that she should be on this soundtrack, because I, I did at one point <laughs> tell myself I had to make sure I mentioned how bad the music was in this movie. Like, every time they made a point of, like, yeah, I'm rocking out to this rocking music, I'm like, Oh my god, this music is so bad. It reminds me of the of the music that was in the background of video games in the 90s. It, oh. It's all like a bunch of pseudo new metal, but and she kind of it's just it. She kind of stood out as a weird track, but she, it was Hotels off of Beautiful Creatures was the song that they used. I recognized it immediately and I yeah, was like, I do not remember that. Yeah, I mean she was I mean how would you not buy this this soundtrack? I mean it had Juliana Hatfield along with Skunk Anise. Suna and Boss Hog. Kick, 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 kick. Boss Hog also did the soundtrack to Joe's Apartment and Food Fight. Yikes. Wow. Oh, they're climbing up that ladder of success. <laughs> Falling into a fiery elevator shaft. All right. <laughs> it's, yeah, th- this movie just, it, it had countless problems. The electromagnet to open up the door was clever, but literally every walk-in freezer I've ever been in my life, and that's a lot of grocery and restaurant, 
has a big button on the inside that says you are not locked in. Press this button. I mean, on paper, in its in its purest form, it's kind of an interesting idea. What happens when a guy becomes invisible and can't turn back? Okay, what's what's the mental? You know, what's the mentality of him? What what happens over the course of him? You know, realizing it. And then time goes by and you know, that's kind of an interesting concept. But when you turn it into a, a, a pseudo horror alien science fiction, something or another. Well, the, I'm sorry to, to interrupt. No, go ahead. The problem is it's not like what happens when you give an everyman the power of invisibility and he can't change. Let's watch the degradation of an everyman. Good point. They, they have a, they, they have a, a, basically a narcissistic megalomaniac who already thinks he's God and they give him an ability that nobody else in the world has. So of course he's going to get even more narcissistic and sociopathic and megalomaniac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not give it to Josh Brolin's character, have Kevin Bacon be jealous and then have that be the conflict, but don't be- take it to this level because Josh Brolin's character would be hell. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And I, I think that even given where the character started, they don't earn the zero to sexual assault. Yeah, there was a lot of raping, rapiness. And like, if you're going to do that, and granted, they, they would, if they're going to include it at all now, they would take the time to make sure that you were showing this guy's descent into being something less than human. There was no like, hey, let's have this guy appreciate the horror of what he's becoming. It literally goes zero to rape. Yep. And then smash, smash, and kill, kill. Yeah. Maybe it would have made more sense if he was, let's say, let's say he was locked in the lab this entire time, and he was down there for three months, and he only had one woman that he had interaction with and didn't want anything to do with him. And as he's slowly going crazy, he snaps and, re- you know. That's okay. really specific. Well, but I'm just saying, if if there's enough momentum against him, okay, maybe you might be able to justify it in the script that it might happen. But even then, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, you can uh, earn a, a scene that uncomfortable with material that controversial. I, I still probably wouldn't, but I especially need to point it out when they go straight to it without any pretext, any, yeah. I don't want to say justification, but any like in character, like I could even see how any person could do this. Any steps. Yeah. Yeah. It it wasn't even, it wasn't even a matter of I'm slowly going insane. It was a matter of, Hey, who's going to know? Like we said yeah, before, yeah, there, there was, there was no gradation. It was just a, an, an acceptance of, well, now I can be as powerful as I think I am with no consequences. So let's just go be a dick. Yep. And that's not exactly compelling. That's not compelling storytelling. No. And I didn't find myself really caring about anybody too much either. And Kim's wig was awful. Kim Dickens? Are you sure that wasn't just 2000 hair? That could have been. Yeah, possible, I suppose. Right. I guess, but yeah, it was it was not not a good look for her. Greg no. Grunberg had a great Walkman, though. I'll give him that. <laughs> I felt bad for Joey Slotnick dying. He was like the only one speaking any sort of logic with everything that was going on. It's just why he had to die. Yeah, I know. So have we uh, hollowed out this man 
Oh, I just realized all the animals down there died too. Fuck. Oh, shit. That's true. Yeah, all the dogs didn't make it. All the dogs and the gorilla, and it sounded like the dogs went to heaven. Again. Cat. Cat. Badger. Mice they lost. A bunch of mice. Gerbil. Valverhoven's integrity. (laughs) (laughs) But the roaches survived. Well, of course. I, you know what, in what you said about Paul Verhoeven's integrity, at least in interviews after this, he was like, I needed to make the money. He, I mean, he, that's basically the way his interview was about this was just like, look, I needed to make money. I need to have some cash. I had to make a movie to survive. This is what it was. Anybody could have done it. I'm not proud of it. It's his least favorite movie out of all the movies that he's done. Well, I personally am not a Paul Verhoeven fan. I don't really care for much of his work, so I'm not surprised by the outcome. I think the way you guys think about this movie is pretty much how I feel about most of his movies in general. Basically, RoboCop being the lone exception. Yeah, RoboCop. It still has elements of the of the stuff that I don't like about most of horror, but it's like it's it's like the tip of the pool. You know, it's like I can put I can get my foot ankle deep into into RoboCop, and I'm I'm fine with that. And other parts into Showgirls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. That joke only works right there. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not going swimming in the whole Verhoeven pool. I'll, but I'll dip my ankles in the RoboCop. You know, kitty pool. Kitty pool. Yeah. Yikes. All right. I'm making a joke about the Showgirls kitty pool. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I'll, I'll dip my nuts in the Showgirls kitty pool. I guess I don't know. Oh no. All right. You made it worse. We're taking a break right now. Yeah, we are. But All right. Patrick Paul Fairhoven did Total Recall. So. Oh God. He did. Yeah, I, I was letting you finish, but I forgot all about that. He did do Total Recall, so. Yeah, but I hate Starship Troopers so much. Oh, God. I like Starship Troopers on its own. By itself, I like it as a, as a movie that it is. It, connecting it to the book, which the book is completely not anything that goes on in that movie. It's, I, I don't like it. Like World War Z. Yeah. That's not a good thing, Joel. Or Hollow Man. Case yes. All right. So we will be back in a little bit. We are going to talk about the 2020 Lee one Lee one L. Lee one L one L. Yeah. Uh, the Invisible Man from 2020 just came out a couple months ago, and uh, we will be back in a little bit. Talk about the Invisible Man from 2020. Just came out about four or five months ago. Uh, this one, a little bit of a twist on this. Twist, twist. This is directed by Lee Winnell, who uh, is also going to be directing the movie Wolfman, TV series called Upgrade, and the, a pre-production for Escape from New York right now. Which Lee Winnell has made three films so far that he's directed. Insidious Chapter 3, which is the only one that I actually appreciated. Upgrade, the movie, which is fucking amazing if you've never seen it. I need to see that. I want to see it so bad. 
I watched Upgrade twice in the same fucking day. And I don't do that. But huh. I'm curious to see what they do with this a series. But he's also the half, the other half of uh, Saw. The, oh, okay. And he was the, actually, he's also an actor. He was the guy that was chained up with Carrie Elways in Saw. Oh, really? Yep. So a little fun Did- fact for you. Yeah, I mean he's he's in he oh actually he was in Saw three also. Yeah, they do a lot of flashbacks throughout that series. Yeah, but he's got a lot of acting ones also where he was, you know, he was in Insidious, he was in The Mule, he was in Aquaman. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Australian actor, well, actor, writer, director. Nice. So yeah, he also is writing credits on this one for screenplay and story. This is starring Elizabeth Moss as Cecilia Cass, Oliver Jackson Cohen as Adrian Griffin, Harriet Dyer as the sister to Cecilia, Emily Cass, Aldous Hodge as James Lanier, Storm Reed as Sidney Lanier, and Michael Dorman as Tom Griffin. Some trivia on this one is Lee Winnell, uh, when creating this movie chose not to have an opening establishing Cecilia's predicament with Adrian because I wanted to just drop the audience into Cecilia's situation without any backstory and make them feel everything through her and luckily I had Elizabeth Moss who is very good at communicating a lot to the audience without saying anything I agree with that decision 100% I do too the opening 15 minutes were pretty intense I definitely agree with that one this is the first movie I've seen her in. I've seen her in little things here and there, but Laura keeps telling me I need to watch The Handmaid's Tale, but I, I thought it was like a period drama, and then she explained to me what it was, and now I want to see it more. Although it's Oh, yeah. I, I've watched all the first season, and Sarah's watched all of the seasons. Like, it, it's a good show. But I, after seeing this, yeah, I'm, I, I can say I'm a, a Moss fan. That sounds weird when you say it out loud. Yeah, I was just thinking that, too. All right, so uh, the film originally was going to be part of the Dark Universe, the uh, Universal Monsters, with Johnny Depp starring as the Invisible Man and Ed Solomon writing the screenplay. But uh, changes were made, considering the fact that the Mummy and Dracula told suck balls and were awful. And if you'd like to know more about that, you can go back to our Mummy show. Right. And listen like- to us talk about how it sucks balls. Yeah, the Dark Universe flaming out and dying producing this i see this as an absolute win yeah which if you look at the original invisible man that we talked about in the first half of the show the claude rains one i could see johnny depp playing that character but yeah i'm glad they went in a different direction yeah and that's confusing with i'm looking at the writing credits of uh ed solomon and i'm like okay take a look at him bill and ted's Excellent Adventure, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Mom and Dad Save the World, Super Mario Brothers, Men in Black, Charlie's Angels, the remake of The In-Laws, Now You See Me and Now You See Me Too. So he's got a decent resume. Eh. Super Mario Brothers? Well, you know, they can't all be RoboCop. Mom and Dad Save the World? Like I said, they can't all be, you know... There's a, lot, there, there's a lot of crap on that list. Is, is yeah. There's a couple of craps. Yeah. I, I will give him this, that he did do eight episodes of the Gary Shandling show, so he's got that going. This is the theme to Gary show. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. So uh, also, the house interiors are made up of four different houses. Adrian's bedroom, for example, is actually a living room somewhere in Sydney. So that's that's interesting, yeah. Yeah. The character of Adrian's brother, Tom, played by Michael Dorman, is meant to feel as if nothing about him fits, and that's made literal in his costume. All of his suits were a couple sizes too small to complete that image. And Dorman apparently loved it. Big Talking Heads fan. Did you guys recognize Adrian, by the way, from a previous show we did? He wasn't. And that's the thing for being the guy. He wasn't. It was barely in it. Yeah. He was uh, Luke in The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, Oh, yeah, he is. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I was wondering why he looked a little familiar, but I, I didn't get obsessive about it. Well, when he's not all strung out on drugs. And being chased by the bowler hat man. Oh, fucking bowler hat man. (laughs) He also kind of looks like every grizzled white protagonist in every video game where a dude carries a gun. Like, he just looks like that character. Yeah. I won't disagree. You're the guy from Cod Blops 1 and Cod Blops 2, aren't you? (laughs) Cod Blops? That's such a great series. Love those movies. I think Ed Solomon's writing the third one. I'm going to make a t-shirt for Cod Blops. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually how they refer to Call of Duty Black Ops as COD Blops. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that ruined it. Oh, not definitely not yeah. what I had in my head. I was thinking it was written by Bob Loblo. <laughs> nice poll. Thank you. Now go back to the banana stand. First viewing for all of us. Yes. yes. Yeah. Indeed. Same here. And spoilers. I was amazingly impressed by what I saw. Yeah, I don't normally feel the concept of an invisible guy as your bad guy is a particularly scary concept. Like, it's interesting, and I understand why it might be frightening to the person experiencing it. But this movie was fucking intense mm. pretty much all the way through. I, a matter of fact, like, as soon as you start seeing him in the scene, in the suit, as cool as the suit looked... Like, as soon as other people could see him, the tension actually dropped a little bit. Yeah. That's not really an indictment of the movie. It's just, like, the whole, like, she doesn't know where he is. They didn't even mention invisibility till about 45 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. Which is something I was talking about as we were watching it. I'm like, you know, if they didn't call it the Invisible Man, and they did very minimal, like, information in the trailer... It initially could have felt like a ghost story. Like, did he really die? Is he being, is she being haunted? Is she psychotic? And it almost would have, I think it would have made it more effective. But I'm glad you mentioned the trivia at the beginning, Mike, about the book, the original H.G. Wells book, because I, I'd only seen the, the, the original movie. So the fact that this is based more on the book surprised me because I didn't know that. I, no, I wonder, no, 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 oh. no. The original, uh, the 1930s uh, Invisible Man was made, based more over, off the book than it was than this one was. Yeah, this one just had the name of the character. Yeah, I thought you said that that the original book he was that was about optics and how it reflected. That's the thing is they did they did take that and there were a lot of nods to the original work in this one. Like I said, with the name of the college and the guy being uh, working on optics and that sort of thing. How many of us have read The Invisible Man? No, I have. I read uh, it many, many years ago. Yeah, it's it's an amazing one. It's an amazing story, as all of H.G. Wells' stories are. 
but it's a little bit more of a uh, descent into madness versus gaslighting. Right. It's about him. And this is very much like he's ever present, but it's really about her, which is why I want to circle back to something Joel said. I think it's a very important conscious choice to make sure that the audience always believes her because in a lot of ways, what happens to her is a metaphor for abuse in general and no one else believes her. Everyone else turns on her, thinks she's crazy. So it's super important that the audience is always on her side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I disagree that it would have been more effective if there was any ambiguity for the audience at all. That's a good point though. Which, yeah, I didn't think about it from that perspective, but you're right. That's a good point. How did he get into the house, especially in the very beginning? Because that door friggin' squeaks. There were a couple <laughs> gaps in there. And then, two, they made this girl go to fashion school just so they could pull that mannequin scene. It's hard to disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's... Uh, yeah, that, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. I, there was also the entire scene uh, with the bacon burning. Sarah and I were wondering if it wasn't him in there turning the burner up to make it happen. That's what I assume. One hundred percent. You, I was even watching the burner. It, it definitely went up. Yeah. So the other point to that scene is a Chekhov's gun because it is basically in the end the girl is saved. Sydney's saved by the fire extinguisher that we explicitly saw her show Cecilia where it was mm-hmm. in the bacon scene. I was expecting it to be a Chekhov's ladder. Expecting the ladder to somehow yeah. come into play. Yeah. And it kind of did with the uh, uh, attic scene. Yeah, that was creepy. Apparently with the attic scene, she uh, they cut some por- portions out of it that she was actually supposed to go up there and find like her clothing, pair of underwear of hers, some food that he had eaten that he'd been like living there for a while versus just the knife and all that. And why would you take the knife out of the bag? Right. And continue to try and brandish it as a weapon, although it's the only weapon you have. But obviously, it was going to be used as some sort of a plant or would be after the fact. Yeah. Yeah, she couldn't see the whole picture yet, though. No, but at the same time, after she got the five million, she was like, "Okay, I'm going to give you ten thousand dollars so you can go to school. That's amazing. It's so sweet. You know, she's wonderful to the people that are helping her. But if I was paranoid that my ex-girlfriend was going to come after me and kill me, and I suddenly had that much money, I would camera up that house faster than you could blink. Would you, I mean, would you not, if you suddenly had that much money, wouldn't you like security cam that place from top to bottom? That doesn't save her, though, considering he's got access to her bank details, and the brothers, it's very clear, were taking shifts and both wearing the suit. Hmm. Uh, Near the end where they're in the house and both uh, Sydney and uh, James are attacked. Uh, Sydney maces one invisible man who stumbles back and she's hit from an entirely different direction. Both Adrian and Tom were in the house in that scene. Mm, I didn't catch that. Didn't even notice that. It's easy to miss because it shifts away immediately to James on the floor being choked out. But uh, Sarah and I talked about it afterwards and she looked it up and was like, absolutely. Somebody else caught that was that, uh, yeah, he's knocked back into the bureau and then she's immediately hit, which Hmm. would not have been possible unless both Tom and Adrian were in the room, which totally explains the knife thing in the, in the restaurant. Uh huh. And Tom says to her, we'll be watching you. 
Yep. They were almost certainly in the mental facility, letting each other in through doors and taking shifts. That answers so many questions. Right? Like, that was the biggest problem I had before coming, I mean, with that idea that there was two of them in suits. My my one question was, how did he manage to slit the throat of his sister, of the sister, and then cross the table and put the knife in her hand that one, that quick? Which, if it was two people. Without somebody noticing. Right, it could totally be done. I mean, he would have knocked shit over off the table place. And second of all, his her, was her sister just being a complete dick to the waiter for no reason, or was it me? Well, that was kind of her sister. I mean, her sister was not great. Okay. Aside from the her basic whole thing is when her sister needs her, she shows up. That was like her only redeeming quality is Cecilia calls, Emily's there. Yeah, and, and even then, I what, what, what do I have written down from my notes? drive sister (laughs) the first scene you know it's like why please give me some explanation why am i picking you up in a deserted road in the middle of nowhere why are you telling me this oh look there's your boyfriend punching through my window you know if if i got a call from my brother and he said come pick me up on this road right now you know i wouldn't slow down i'd be like kick the door open jump in and run man because if you're calling me in this situation it's gotten heavy and we got we just got to keep moving (laughs) she wanted to park and like discuss life not all siblings have that kind of relationship, though. I've known, pl- like, I would have found it more unrealistic if Emily was a friend instead of a sister. Because there were siblings, and some siblings can immediately get shitty. It's like, okay, why the fuck are you doing this? You made me come out here. I'm here. But now you need to answer some questions. That's a very sibling thing to do, depending on your relationship with your siblings. Mm. Or I met my sister would pull up to pick me up and she would start babbling about something that Ava did during the day. And I'm, I'm like, I don't have time for this drive. <laughs> I mean, plus, I don't think she really knew the extent of what was going on. So it, it it would probably lend itself to some curiosity as to why are you outside of your home in the middle of the night with a <clears throat> duffel bag? Right. Not all brothers and sisters feel entitled to a, hey, I've known you all your life. I deserve an explanation before I help you. But some some of them are like that. Oh, see, I'd be like, let's talk and drive. Let's get the hell out of here. What other, what other things do I have on here? Be a dick to the waiter. Does the suit give him super strength because he was suddenly able to lift her in the air? Right. He tossing her around like a rag doll. Yeah, and he cleaned off really fast from having a bucket of paint dumped on them. That's I was going to bring that up. Yep, sure. That that was something that I did notice. I mean, but who knows the properties of the suit if it's mostly Teflon? I, I'm willing to give that well, a pass. And if, but if you go with the, if you go with the, there were two people in the root in the house at the same time. He goes down there, tries to clean off, and the one brother says, "Just get the hell out of here. I'll clean this up." That's possible as well. They could both have been there. Then, and the one brother tries to, you're right, he tries to wash it off, it doesn't work very well, and he just runs out of the door. Right. Oh, and do we call spoilers? If not, tough. No. You, know, you should know at this point. It's a 2020 film, so if people are listening, they know we're going to... Yeah, we're going to spoil it up. We're going to have to. This movie, you can't really not talk about things. Yeah, and the other thing is, in the uh, hospital, I'm like, is there... Anybody watching these cameras is going to be like, oh, my God, this girl's psychic. She's throwing people around without even touching them. Dude, I've worked in mental health care. That is completely legit. They don't give a fuck. (laughs) Well, that was the point where everything kind of had to start to unravel because there's enough security cameras. Plus, 
uh, he, he's murdering everybody left and right. And then he gets outside and he doesn't shoot the one guy that's on the ground. I was well, like, some of those cops survive. Like the guy who gets tasered to the chin probably survives. The guy, there's another one that gets like shot in the arm and someone else uh, who basically just gets punched in the face. Oh, the guy who got shot in the knee. Yeah, but they weren't all murders. Yeah. yeah but some um, of those cops make it out before that last guy. Either, either way, the jig is up at that point that she's not totally responsible for all the things that they're saying she is. Yeah, like being able to throw a cop across the room like the, like he did. But that's why it would have made a lot more sense if he had killed all of them because it, you know, the second that there's no doubt that that he exists, everything that she's trying to say to everybody for her own innocence is is it's easily confirmed. yeah, easily confirmed exactly. But it was interesting that even after they found Adrian in the basement tied up and they're like, okay, well, his brother was the one that was doing it. Needless to say, nobody was nobody was like, holy shit, he's got an invisible suit. They still didn't believe her. For sure. And that's, I think, the reason why he didn't bother killing the cops. He's young. He's white. He's rich. Is he afraid of the police? Really? I mean, if anything, our society should tell you that that's exactly the sort of person that the cops protect. The money's the most important thing, obviously, yeah. I mean, you're you're not wrong. Well, it's just interesting because she's like, you know, she's talking about how, nope, nope, they, he's he, this was faked, and they still, yeah, they still didn't didn't believe that that could be possible, and it bothered me. Uh, you know, I don't know if we want to jump to the ending, but it bothered me. The ending bothered me. That was the only part of it that I kind of because I, I really enjoyed the film, but the ending where she walks out, she's got the suit. You know, she's pretty much burned the bridge with the the cop at that point because he knows what she did and she's basically like, prove it, you know? she He agreed to cover for her. He yeah. said, sounded like a suicide to me. He got yeah, but, it. But she, but she basically forced him to yeah. make she because she, she could have easily just zipped that bag up and given him plausible deniability. The fact that she didn't do that is just her forcing him to say, you're either on my side or you're turning me in. It's one or the other. And that's kind of a dick move. I mean, I thought so, because I didn't see him as saying, oh, I, I'm I'm with you. Wink, wink. Sounded like a suicide. It was more like, yeah, it sounded like a suicide. because the other option is I, I arrest you right now and you're going to spend the rest of your life in jail. And she's been thrown enough. You know, I get it. Like, it, it, there's a little bit of coercion there. But considering all the coercion she's been through, I, I don't really have any mixed feelings about it. Yeah, I, I don't, don't. I don't either. But they definitely exist. You can't just ignore them. For sure. For sure. What, Mike? No, I was going to say honestly. I think he just he, at that point with all the craziness that he saw happening, and he he saw two paths after she after she asked that question. It was either look, this confirms that this guy was a psychopath. You know, this is, she was right. And even if she wasn't right, you know, the other path goes by for years and years of his life, trying to either prove or not prove, disprove whatever happened. I mean, he's known her forever. He, like you said, he knows how much that she went through and it was just, you know, sounded like a suicide. Just get on with your life. Get out of here. 
Plus, he's a little bit complicit in what happened to her. Like, he didn't believe her. He felt like he failed her even before he realized she was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of feelings going on there. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed I stepped into this expecting not what I got and with what I did get, I was very pleased with. I was impressed with this movie and I afterwards, the rest of the family was like, they all left because they know what happens when dad's watching a remix or a remake. I told him it, it, it wasn't really as it almost Hitchcockian thriller. For sure. There's definitely, it rides the line between horror movie and thriller. Mm-hmm. It, and it's almost a science fiction just because of the suit aspect. Oh, and that yeah. suit you know. looks so badass. It had a little bit of the like discomfort you might get from seeing like a Lotus pod with all the little cameras and then random bits of it go like phasing in and out as it's malfunctioning. Yeah. And the so clicking cool. sound. Cause you don't really notice the clicking sound until later when you discover that it's actually, that's the, that's the, the tell that he's in the room. Was that clicking? Well, and it's almost, it almost gives you like a, was that trip, tripophobia, tripop- tryptophobia, the, the fear, the fear of holes. Yeah, yeah. It almost gives you a little bit of that sense with For the sure. way it's designed. Yeah. Cause it, uh, it almost looks like a whole bunch of, of holes, even though there's little cameras in it, which it was an, it was a neat technology. I thought it was clever the way that they designed the suit, but you know, that's, that's, I mean, I think that's kind of where Lehman L shines. I mean, that's kind of the whole thing of upgrade. It's all about technology and mixing kind of horror elements into it, even though it's not a horror movie, it's a science fiction action movie, but there's, you know, got horror elements to it. And he, he kind of blends it in a way that was really well done. You know, it doesn't really have a specific, I don't feel like it was a horror movie either per se. No, I definitely wouldn't classify. I would definitely classify this as thriller over even sci-fi. I would classify it as boring. What? What? Yeah, I did not enjoy this movie like you guys did at all. Huh. Huh. I thought it was what it was trying to go for, the whole mood of it, the create the suspense and the thriller atmosphere, you know, and just, I never bought into it. I just, I don't know, like the the lingering shots on empty rooms. I mean, first of all, if you're going to make a movie about the Invisible Man, it makes more sense to talk about, you know, to to make the movie about the Invisible Man rather than the Invisible Man's girlfriend. Wow, I couldn't disagree more. No, I mean, I go, I get what they're going for. I get it. But I'm just saying, like, you know, the, the interesting part of the Invisible Man is the the Invisible Man. See, I think his effects on the world are equally as interesting. It's a different story for sure. But I mean, I think first you have to tell the story of your main villain slash protagonist, whatever you want to call him. I mean, I think before you start talking about reactions to him, I mean, I guess it's just because the story is so well known. But if this is the first time you've ever seen this in the universe, you know, you need to know about the character first before you know about his, the, the gravity that he has on the world. You need to know about that center first. Well, can't you kind of infer what he's like from the terror he puts into someone who lived with him? Yeah, and you can if it's it's if it's well done. And I did not think this was well done because th- it seemed like they were tiptoeing the line between trying to make it look like, is she crazy or is this r- a real thing that's happening to her? 
And like they couldn't decide if they wanted to make it that kind of a thriller or not. And I don't. I agree with you, Josh. I think it would would have suffered if they had gone that route. And they they broke it pretty quickly. But it seemed like they even after they broke it during the uh, sheet scene, where it's clearly you know there's there's something there. It's not just in her mind. The the movie would have suffered if they if they had gone any further with it in in that direction. But they still felt it still felt to me like they were trying to toe that line even after that scene. Well, I think they wanted to make sure that you when you saw the characters that didn't believe what she was saying, you couldn't immediately throw them into asshole villains who should just fucking believe her box. They very purposely created it so it's like we know she's telling the truth. But from their perspective, I kind of get it. She looks fucking crazy. And I think it's important because if you can write them off as just a bunch of assholes, her losing them doesn't mean anything because they suck as people anyway. And I was all for the lingering shots of empty rooms. It reminded me of the original Halloween where you expect the killer to strike and he doesn't. It just, it reminded me of strangers of the the movie, the strangers where it, it, it felt like that movie did a good job of making the empty space haunting. Whereas this one, it didn't, it didn't feel as haunting to me. And I don't know why it just didn't. Hmm. I mean, it's still it's still the invisible man. I mean, whether or not he's the the focal point or the lead of the film, he just Lee Wanell kind of chose to take it from a different perspective. He's still the antagonist of the movie. The original Halloween is, you know, Michael Myers is the the killer, and Laurie Strode is the main star. She's the main protagonist in the film, but it's not called Laurie Strode. It's called Halloween because it takes place on Halloween, but not the best example, but you get the point. <laughs> <laughs> Do I? It, I don't it, know. It's also, I think, telling like uh, that three of the four of us found it deeply affecting and we're all dudes. Uh, I watched this with Sarah and she's like, you have no idea how much more terrifying this is if you're a woman. <laughs> and I believe her. Yeah. Like I said, I 100% get what they were going for. I just didn't feel that like you guys did. Hmm. It felt it felt kind of ham-fisted to me. The whole movie did. Well, this was about as long as Surprisea was, and I didn't feel like I was wasting my time with this one. I agree. I yeah. Uh, this this was a quick two plus hours. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't. I, I kept didn't watching the it. clock on it. See, I didn't find that at all. I felt like it, it was appropriately paced and time, the time was necessary to tell the full story. Um, and I'm glad that they didn't go for a post credit scene or any sort of lingering question about, is there another killer or is there another guy in a suit? You know, once it was done, it was done encapsulated focus on her at the end. And her life is now starting over and she's free and that's it. Well, you 100% know there would have been if the universe hadn't already imploded. I mean, if they would have gone with the original version with Johnny Depp and all that, yeah, they would have, they definitely would have tied it together. Mm. But I'm glad that he didn't leave the option to, to have, I mean, I guess the technology's still there. So technically. Or maybe she puts on the suit and becomes a uh, serial killer too. I guess that's possible. You know, that, that could be a weird twist on a sec. If they, if they ever do a sequel, you know. I don't think they will, but I don't think they will either. But you know, it's like it, it 
dement, you know, messes with her so much that she's like, all right, screw it. I got the suit. I'm doing what I want to do now. You know, kind of wonder how, how often would you have to recharge that thing, man? <laughs> I mean, the suit was super cool. How many batteries does it take? Yeah. Obviously armored. Yeah. Probably has some element of, uh, converting kinetic energy to stored energy or just like moving around recharges it a little bit because even with two guys taking shifts they had to have been in it for hours at a time yeah yeah and the dude was smart enough that i'm sure he figured out a way to to power it without having 24 AAA batteries or something but i mean you're basically trying to say that, that these two brothers are like Literally like ninjas, because there's so much more to staying hidden in somebody's house than just being you know, invisible. Uh, yeah, I can't be seen. Like, what are you not breathing? You're never peeing. You're never pooping. You don't do anything ever, but just stand in one spot and and not produce any sound at all. Like, I right, mean, it was pooping in the attic. We got that. You and can... by the way, by the way, why is the only person that ever calls that phone her? Like, he never gets. Text. He never, he's not on any like pet smart list or anything. Like, <laughs> it, there's no notifications ever going off on that phone until she well, finally calls it. Because everyone else thinks he's dead, and he kept the phone because he wants her to call it. Yeah, yeah. But my dad, my dad, my dad's phone went off for like six months after he died. Okay, that's fair. Well, your dad wasn't a narcissistic so- sociopath either, so. You don't know my dad. I mean, he probably, I, I I would think that the phone, I mean, maybe you still get some telemarketing calls, but if your death is in the news, you probably don't have friends calling to see, hey, hey, dude, you really dead? Right. Yeah, but or, what if this, what if this tech bajillionaire, you know, subscribes to Catfax or something? He probably has every number except hers blocked on that phone because she's the only person he wants to call. Maybe Tom's got the number, too. Yeah. My only. Well, I mean, part of the question is, why would he have it not on silent? But the the answer to that is that he wants to terrorize her. For he sure. Wants, yeah. right, if every number but hers is blocked and it's sitting there waiting just for her to be the one to call. OK, then I guess I'll I'll get behind yeah. it. Yeah, if he can make an invisibility suit, I gotta believe he could pull that off. Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not horribly complicated. Well, all right, but no, I think you had a good point. It's just a point that Adrian almost certainly also thought of. Like, don't want to have uh, telemarketing calls interrupting my stocking. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't care about my car's warranty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what what other problems did I? There were I had I had a lot of problems with this movie. I don't know. I did not enjoy it like you guys did. I felt like it was trying to do what you guys felt like it did do. Yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was riveted the whole time. Hmm. Yeah, I was impressed by when, like I said, I thought it was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. That was, I'm, and it's a rare. A rare moment on this show where I'm impressed by the remakes. Well, um, I watched these back to back, and we watched both of them last night. And after the the hot shit dumpster fire that Hollow Man is, that I think made this all that much better. I, it was yeah. still good, regardless of that, but that didn't hurt. Right. 
and I had no preconceptions whatsoever. I knew Elizabeth Moss was in it and I knew the title. That was literally all, all I knew about this. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't read anything about the storyline. All I knew was Lee Winnell wrote and directed it and, and it had Elizabeth Moss. That was really all I knew. I didn't even know any of the other cast members. And I somehow knew less than either one of you guys did because I don't know before this, who Elizabeth Moss was. Same here. And now, now you both do. Now I know she was an invisible man. There you go. And I know she was in Handmaid's Tale. That's something I just discovered. Oh, yeah. She's the lead in Handmaid's Tale. And uh, neither of you have seen Us? No. Nope. No, you haven't? Nope. It's really good. Uh, Sarah and I saw that one in the theater. And I'm not a person that rushes out to the theater to see horror movies. But uh, I was pretty happy. Oh, and she was Peggy Olsen on Mad Men for like 10 years. Oh, I've, I've, I tried to watch Mad Men. I couldn't get through like the first four or five yeah. episodes. Have not watched Mad Men. Yeah, I haven't watched that either. But I do. I, I did enjoy us. I didn't remember her being in that. Huh. Well, all right. Should we do a thumbs up, thumbs down? I think it's about that time. Yeah. Wait. About that time is something else. That that time already occurred. And so, Joel, thumbs up, thumbs down. So, in case it isn't obvious, Hollow Man is was a thumbs down and still is, and the Invisible Man is uh, definitely a thumbs up. I'm the same, and it's equally obvious. Massive thumbs down for Hollow Man. Massive thumbs up for uh, the Invisible Man. Yeah, Joel. I mean, uh, Pat. Uh, I'm a I'm a thumbs down for both. I'm a thumbs. I are we still doing sideways? If you want, that's that's up to you. Yeah, I mean, Hollow Man. I appreciate it for a 2000. The things that I appreciate about it was that the CGI held up. Not so much the story and all that. But I mean, but I was really for 2000 effects to still be in quotes good. I liked it. Effect-wise, yes. Story-wise, no. For the second one, thumbs up also. And Elizabeth Shue was in it. Don't forget that. Yeah, and Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> Automatically gets a, at least a partial thumb. Yeah. That's interesting. It, we got we got one where we're all on the same page for the most part, and Pat is on the opposite side of the fence. Hmm. I would think if there's one of us who isn't going to like a movie, Patrick is statistically the most likely. Yep. He's the All guy. Right, if there's one of us who is going to like a movie alone, it's statistically most likely Joel. Yep. <laughs> All right, that tracks. That tracks. Unless that movie's a comedy, then it's probably Josh. Oh, if I'm the one person who doesn't like it, that's probably true. Yeah. And if it's some fucked up, twisted nightmare, I'm probably the only one that likes it. <laughs> We've established that last week. <laughs> All right, so Joel, what do we got for uh, week three? Next week, uh, yes, the ground is sour and sometimes dead is better. Talking about pet cemeteries. Hmm. Yeah, pet cemetery from 1984? Uh, Six? I don't know. 80s? Uh, 1990, I think. Really? I'm pretty oh. sure it's exactly 1990. I could be oh. wrong. Because I I, I'm pretty sure I read the book in 89. Okay. The I know eighty nine eighty nine okay so okay. we're all kind of right uh yeah pet cemetery based off the uh, Stephen King book we will be back next week for that again if you're looking for our 
older stuff. We are on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, Noon FM, and find us on The Big Boys. You can find us on Spotify, find us on iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. Whoop, whoop. Search for us. We are there. Yeah, and if you have a favorite horror movie that you hope we'll do for next October, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. In the meantime, pay attention to when your doors open and shut on their own. It might be Patrick in an invisible suit. Yes. Hi. Might be a super happy guy with a bag of meat who later is angry at that same bag of meat. Hi. Dusty nuts. Anger meat. That's the best kind, dude. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week with Dead Pets. Oh. Now I'm thinking about Hollow Man again. Boy, your nuts are dusty. Sounds like a porn star named Dusty Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Not very popular, though. Or he's just an old guy. I'm Dusty Nuts. Gonna fuck you, silly. Keep going. You'll get there. I'm gonna impregnate you with your own grandkids. What? Lick my ball. I don't think he's gonna get there. He's, he's going he's gonna to stream of consciousness all the way through to the funny bit here, so let him keep going. He's going the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> Lick my balls. You got to pick them off the floor first. See? <laughs> Dusty nuts. Don't stop now. I got it. The Viagra ran out. You got a roll going on. Come on, you're going to get to that creamy nougat center of a joke yet? Get there. Don't say that. <laughs> All he's got is hard candy. What's I've a never Star Wars that. movie? <laughs> oh, what, Pat? Sorry. What'd you say? I said, what, Pat? Sorry. Not that line. You're trying to make a joke of what's a Star Wars movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's a Star Wars? Uh Aren't you glad you got interrupted for that, Jim? <laughs> so I'm being really hard on Joel for no reason. Dusted nuts. Oh, that's the reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. 